0: Seriously, how can you not get down a little bit with that, right? I mean, it's like straight out of the 80s. It's like, it's crazy. Um, (laughs) Three months ago, I had the honor of of leading worship here at Jacob's Well. I was was down in the North Venue, down there on a Sunday morning, and it was a really cool opportunity because it was my daughter's birthday. We got a chance to lead together, which was pretty neat. And so that was a, a really special time. So, um, It it was a great weekend of worship, and it had been a while since I had had done any worship leading at all, and it was was a lot of fun, but it was a challenging weekend, too, because the week before, I had that flu, you know, that everybody had this winter. Just about everybody I know spent some time with it. Now, I don't know if I actually had influenza, because I didn't go to the doctor to find out, but I had a seriously vicious cough for a handful of days, and it really took its toll on my chest and on my throat. And it affected me pretty bad leading into that weekend. And one of the things, uh, as I was heading into that, I was like, man, I, I'm, I'm kind of sore, but I've done this before. I've got experience doing this. I think I'm okay. I think I'm going to be okay doing it. And so I went ahead and I, I led worship with, with McKinsey anyway that weekend, and it went pretty well. It went pretty well, except for the song, Do It Again. Now, that's a song we just got done singing, if you remember, not not the, not the stand, which we just did, which is beautiful, but the one before it, Do It Again. And see, the thing with Do It Again is it's got this bridge, and this bridge that's just really powerful. And I don't know if you paid attention, but it builds and we sing, you know, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, like that. It's this really powerful thing that is really cool, but man, it trashed my voice. It was, it hurt me. And when I was done that weekend, I was, I was hurt. Um, it didn't help that the next day I left for Baltimore, where I spent a few days at a conference. I did a lot of speaking there. I came back from that on that following Friday and spent a lot of time on conference calls and in meetings and talking, still recovering from my damaged vocal cords and my damaged throat. The following Monday, Monday, March 19th, I'll remember this day probably for the rest of my life, Because I was on a call with my friends. I had spent a couple of hours on a conference call with a customer, and I was on a conference call, I'm sorry, with my business partners, and I went to say something, and I took a deep breath to talk, and all of a sudden, my throat closed instantly, and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe in. I couldn't breathe out, and it wasn't like asthma, like your chest seizes up. It was like a valve shut off in my throat, and I honestly thought, I was in my office with my door closed, and I thought, am I dying? Is this it? Like I'm. This might be it. I better get up and get out of my office, so someone at least knows to call the ambulance. And so I started to get up and move. And as I moved, it kind of opened up again, and, and things were okay. And I, I started to slowly be able to breathe. And I, I found out later that my my co- colleagues outside my office could hear me trying. Something was wrong, and they were coming to get me. Well, I found out later that afternoon when I went to the doctor that it's this event called laryngospasm. Now, that's an ugly word to look at. It's an ugly word to say, and it's a very alarming thing to have happen to you. It's actually when when you have a spasm in your larynx, and your vocal cords, and they literally shut, and they completely close. It is a terrifying thing to have happen. Now, I've also found out you can't die from it. Um, the worst that can happen is I could pass out and fall over, and then you'd start breathing normally again, or at least you'd start breathing and probably wouldn't die. So that was, I guess some consolation. Uh, But it was a really scary thing. And I went on to deal with that a couple times a day for about the next week, and then once a day for a couple weeks, and it took a long time to recover. Now, I tell you that story um, because of two reasons. One, because it's related to the song Do It Again. I, I really feel like, I mean, that was the song that that bridge killed me that weekend. And I kept thinking about that for the next couple of weeks, like, it was that song. It was that song that I sang that hurt. I shouldn't have sang that. I shouldn't have gone and done it. That was foolish. Um, and I just kept thinking of that bridge over and over again. And I'm going to find out, come to find out the song Do It Again continues to play a role in my life uh, even after that. But it, the second reason I tell you that story is because I'm still not better. And the fact I'm able to even speak this weekend is I'm very thankful for that because I'm still on the road to recovery. I still can't sing like I that I could even prior to March and even speaking so if I'm clearing my throat or I'm grabbing water frequently, that's why. I'm still recovering from this. If you don't know me, my name is Jason Pecor. I've been at Jacob's Well for a long time, pretty much since the beginning. I mean, we were part, our family was part of the launch back in 2001, I, I had the the privilege of leading worship for the preview services, for the launch service that we did. I spent some time part time on staff as a as the worship director. I'm not on staff right now. So for those of you who are new here, or haven't seen me before, or maybe you're a guest from BFC, I'm not on staff. Um, but I was an active overseer here for about seven years, and so I'm I'm deeply. Deeply in here at Jacob's Well. I'm, I'm, I'm part of what's going on around here, and I've had the, the good fortune to be part of it for a long time. But I haven't always been at a church like Jacob's Well. I actually, I grew up, I grew up in Altoona, Wisconsin, which is right next door. It's a sister city to us here in Eau Claire. I grew up at a, a small Lutheran church called Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Altoona. It was a, a traditional uh, Missouri Synod Lutheran church. We sang hymns. We had a liturgical service. It was a great experience, honestly. I have very, very fond memories. I loved our pastor. I had great leaders. It was a great place to grow up. But it was a traditional Lutheran church. So we sang hymns, we did the liturgy, and we never clapped. I don't know if you grew up in a Lutheran church, but you do not clap. No matter how awesome anything is, you just stand there and nod. This is great. So we don't don't clap. Um, In college, I kind of drifted a little bit spiritually, but I was fortunate that that didn't last too long, when I was a sophomore, I, I had the opportunity to meet uh, my wife, Tina, and we started dating. She grew up in a different household. She grew up in a Wesleyan church, and I started hanging out with her and her family. And it was really at that time that I had that first introduction to the idea of a personal relationship with Jesus. And things started to change. It kind of started to refan the flame of my faith at that time in college. Uh, we got engaged in, in 1994, and we started. Or I'm sorry, 19, late 1993, but we started going to um, Valleybrook Church in 1994 when it first launched. So Valleybrook Church was a new church in Eau Claire that started in 1994, and we started going to that, and that was my first experience. With contemporary worship music. And I came in and it was being held at South Middle School. And I came in and there were drums on stage and a bass guitar and lead guitar. And the lead pastor, Kendall, was playing guitar and singing. And I was like, what is this all about? What is the, all the people are clapping? And it was amazing. And the music. The music was so good, and I'd been involved in music and sang all through high school, and I always had loved it, and so this was a big deal. It spoke to my soul. It's how I really connect with God the best is through music. There's one song that I remember. It came from the Red Maranatha Praise book. Anybody remember this book? Anybody remember this? All these courses from this song, right? This goes back a ways. There's a song called Shine, Jesus, Shine. And this song sticks in my head to this day because I had never sung anything like this before. And the words were just so human readable and I connected with them and I loved them. I loved the music for sure, but I really loved understanding the lyrics and they were so different and they spoke about God and to God and to me in ways that it was just new and fresh. And so ever since then, I've always paid attention to the lyrics in worship songs. And I was thinking about this earlier this year, and I was sitting in one of our services, and I was looking at the lyrics and the song we were singing, and I thought, wow, okay, this song is about this, and I'm singing to God, but not all our songs are like that. Some is us and we, and we sing differently and about different things. I wonder if everybody thinks about music like I do. Is everybody else thinking about this? This seems like something we should talk about. Well, I ended up texting this idea for a message to my friend Paul. Now, what you need to know about my friend Paul is my friend Paul is a lead pastor at a big church in the Chippewa Valley, this one. So we had this text message exchange. I'm like, hey, Paul, I got this idea. This is on, actually, interesting, this was on March 18th that I texted him. I said, I got this idea for a message. I think it would be really cool to look at our worship songs and go through them. What do you think? And he said, are you kidding? That is our summer teaching series. Now, I'm not the kind of guy that often claims God speaks to me like, Jason, you should do this, or that I really think it's clear. But when I have an idea for a message and I happen to text it to a friend and he said, oh, hey, that's our message series, to me that's enough evidence that God is trying to show me something I don't want to have to explain later in eternity why I turned him down. So that's why I'm here this morning. This, this came up back in March, and I've been looking forward to it ever since. Paul teed up this whole message really, really well last week when he talked and taught out of First Corinthians 14 and 15. And and that verse says, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind, or my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So we're going to talk today about how we sing with our minds by doing this thing of taking a look at the importance of words, what they mean, and how we interpret the actual songs that we're singing. Because words are important. Words are important, and we should be paying attention to what it is we're singing, right? Now, words are important to me personally. I mean, just in the way that I communicate, um, it's important to me what words are said, how they're said, the word selection, phrasing, tone, inflection, delivery, timing, body language. I'm sure you can imagine this is great for my marriage, right? Um, this has caused us lots of problems over the years. But they are, they are important to me. It's meaningful. I, I care about it a lot. And in music, it's, it's important to me too. It's played a big role in how I interpret music and how I listen to music over the years. I mean, I used to do this all the time with music as a kid. I would get my albums out, right? Everybody, you know, albums are back. So, or records are back. But back in the day, records would come out. They had a sleeve and on the sleeve was all the lyrics. And I mean, I would get a new record. I'd put it on the record player. I had a big beanbag chair. I would sit in it and I would play it. Both sides, straight through multiple times, and I'd read every lyric, right? And after, after records and I moved on to cassettes, here's my Michael W. Smith cassette. Um, uh, this has got lyrics on it too, right? This is actually, he was touring this album when Tina and I started dating. I uh, saw him perform over in Twin Cities. And it, DC Talk opened for him. It's pretty cool. Um, but I used to do the same thing with cassettes. And again with CDs. It's a little harder to do it now, but it was important to me um, to be able to understand the lyrics that people were singing in a song. I never understood people that said, well, I don't really pay attention to lyrics. I just like the music. And this kind of argument used to come up a lot when like, heavy metal was under fire for their music, or rap, or any genre you can name. People like, well, we don't pay attention to the lyrics. Well, you should, because some of that stuff is really, really meaningful. Some of it's really destructive. You need to be looking at that. And I'm the same way with worship lyrics. I love to dissect the lyrics. It's important to me to understand what they say, not just the words themselves, um, but the context of where they're coming from. So words are important, we need to pay attention, and we need to look at them under the right context. So just like with Bible study, understanding words or understanding context is really important to understanding the words in the songs that we sing. Um, I remember uh, back a while back when Pastor Paul did a series on, on Bible study, and he said this during that time. Um, he said, A passage can never mean what the original author never intended it to mean. Right? So let's listen to that again because there's a lot of double negatives, a lot of negatives in there. But a passage can never mean what the original author never intended it to mean. And this is a great way to look at Scripture. The point here is that you can't just take a verse and say, Well, this is what it means to me, so this is how I'm going to interpret that. If that's not what the original author of that verse was intended to say, it, that's not a valid interpretation because what we have to do is we have to look higher. We have to move up, right? We have to look at that verse, but we also need to understand what passage is it in, what chapter is is this thing from, what's going on at the time, what is what's the kind of broader theme of the chapter. And then you back up farther from that and you need to look, well, what book of the Bible are we in? Is it one of the Gospels? Is it one of Paul's letters? Is it something from the New Testament? Because that makes a difference what testament it's in. Because we would understand things about Christ differently or the people that would have written the Old Testament writings would have understood it differently than we did in the New Testament. So just like with a Bible verse, we need to understand all that context. We can do the same thing with our our songs. And so we need to understand the importance of context. So we're going to ask three questions here as we look at context when it comes to songs as we engage this idea of worshiping with our mind. Um, The first one is this, who is singing? The second is, who are we singing to or who is the audience? And the third one is, what words are we singing or what do the words mean? And so that's what we're going to spend the rest of my time here talking about as we kind of dissect these songs. And what I want to do is just kind of call out a few other worship songs and things that we've done in the past, songs we do now, and kind of point at these lyrics and say, are we thinking about this? Is this making sense to us? So let's jump into it by talking first about who is singing. Well, the first person that obviously is singing a lot of our worship songs is me. Right? It's me. I'm the one who's singing. And if we look at the song, let's, let's look at the song, the lyrics from Do It Again, just a few of them. You can see that this whole thing is kind of based on this idea of I. Right, um, I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. We're speaking to God. And then this bridge, right? Here it comes again. Do it again, bridge. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe that you will do it again. It's me. I am singing to God. So the, the first person singing, when we look at who's singing these songs, is very often, it's me. But it doesn't have to be me. It could be we. It could be all of us, right? We sing to God together. Another song we sang here just a little while ago is the song Only King Forever. And if you look at this song, this song's different. This song says, our God and firm foundation. Our rock, the only solid ground. The Nations Rise and Fall goes on. As we build into the chorus, it says, we trust in the name of Jesus before we head into the chorus. This is us singing together. And there's something uh, just cool about us singing as a group collectively to God and about God. We can sing together. So sometimes it's me and sometimes it's we. But other times it's actually both, right? A lot of songs do both. So you start out singing like we and us and our, and then we transition into a very personal I, and a lot of these songs have this pattern. But the cool thing about God is God can multitask like this, right? He is capable of doing this, so he can transition from receiving our corporate worship and then suddenly connect to each and every one of us, no problem, right? He can handle that. And he can multitask that way. He can parallel process or multi-thread whatever industry you're in and you want to use the right vernacular. Um, But he can do that. And it's a a very common thing we do. But do we notice it in those songs? Because there is something beautiful about collectively singing together and then transitioning that time and saying, hey, look at God, look at who he is. Isn't our God great? And then we turn in and say, God, you are my God. I am singing to you. I am going to praise you. So we know sometimes it's, it's me, sometimes it's we, often it's both. The question, next question then is, who are we singing to? Who are we singing to? And who is the audience and the recipient of our songs, of our praise? Well, the most obvious answer, right, is God. I mean, God is the, the clearest person, the clearest one that is going to receive our praise. And if you look at the Psalms as, as our pattern of worship, where so many of our worship songs come from, you clearly see this over and over. I mean, let's let's take a look at Psalm 150 for a minute and just take a look at this. It says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Right now, it's pretty clear who we're praising, right? We're praising God. Now, the back half of this verse is cool to those of us who like contemporary worship. Praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud and clashing cymbals. Like I said, for for those who have ever wanted to argue for having lots of noise on stage, this is a great verse to point to. Um, I'm not saying all worship has to have it, but I am a fan of of lots of instrumentation. I also like things quiet. Now, so it's very obvious, right? It's very obvious that we are praising God. God is the recipient. Now, one of the things I'll say, though, is is I want to point this out. Pastor Paul's always talking about fishing, I don't fish, and I, sometimes I feel inferior. So I want to point out that I, don't, I haven't found a psalm yet that says, praise him with the whiz of a baitcaster or the soft purr of a trolling motor. Now, I know that doesn't fit into his theology of fishing, and I probably won't get invited back. Um, it's hard to argue about all the fishing references in the New Testament, though. He's got me on that one. Lots of our songs fall into this category. In fact, most of them, where we are praising God. And this can take several forms. I mean, some of these songs are like prayers. Uh, They're not like the song we read. Uh, Think of a song we used to do a lot in, in older time in our church in the early days called The Potter's Hand. And if we look at The Potter's Hand, The Potter Hand says, Beautiful Lord, wonderful Savior, I know for sure. All my days are held in your hands. You guys remember this song? Crafted into your perfect land. It's got this feel of a prayer. And it's just someone talking to God in a very prayerful style. Um, sometimes we give thanksgiving. Sometimes we just simply give adoration like the song we just read. Praise you, God. Praise you for all the wonderful things you've done. Some songs we actually petition. We ask God to do things. We ask God to move in our city, in our nation, and in our lives, in our hearts, and in our church we petition him to do things um but very often they are just straight up songs of praise going back to my valley brook days there was a song that i remember from uh, from valley brook called victory chant do you remember victory chant victory chant just like this raw powerful praise song it was a call and response tune and it was just like the leader going hail jesus you're my king and then they would sing back And they go, your life frees me to sing. And there would just be this call and response. It went on. There were multiple modulations. It was very powerful. And it didn't even need much for instrumentation. You could just do drums and do it a cappella. It was awesome. Just straight up praise to God. See, now I do that and I have to take a drink. I apologize. And then I drip too. Did you get that on the video, Tina? Um, So we praise God. Sometimes, though, so God is is the primary audience. That's who we're singing to primarily. But we also sing to each other. And sometimes we don't think about this. A lot of our songs, we're actually singing to each other. And sometimes they look like songs of encouragement. There's a song we did a couple weeks ago called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And look at these words. These words say, Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide. This is not a song to God. This is a song to one another. This is a song to the person who has come in our midst that is hurting, that is feeling the weight of sin. And we're saying, you are in a place where you are welcome. We sing songs to encourage one another. Uh, Sometimes we celebrate together. Um, Sometimes we sing songs to one another, affirming what we believe about God. There's a song called Lion and the Lamb. That, that we sing, and if you look at these lyrics, we sing, He's coming on the clouds, kings and kingdoms will bow down, and every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise for who can stop the Lord Almighty. This is a song that we sing together to one another, where we sing, look at who our God is. This is what he can do. Isn't he amazing? And we're singing about God to one another, encouraging each other, affirming what we believe about who he is. Much different audience, right? But this happens all the time in the music that we sing, and it's critically important that we build each other up like that. Another sort of strange person we sing to you might not think about is we sing to ourselves. Very often we sing to ourselves. And a lot of times this looks like taking a step of intentionality, which I love. It's one of my favorite things about worship is being intentional about something, right? Uh, going back to some older songs from the early days again, there's a song we just wore out called Trading My Sorrows. And if you look at this, the, the verse here, it says, I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Very intentional. We're coming in saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to set this stuff aside, and I'm going to focus on you, God. Another one is a simple song called, Come, Now is the Time to Worship. Well, we're just looking at this saying, look, come, now is the time to worship. Now is the time to give your heart. These are two older songs from a number of years ago, but they got played so many times. But they're great songs of intentionality. In addition to being intentional about taking this time to worship God and focus on him and what we're doing, songs to ourselves very often strengthen our understanding of what our identity is or who our identity is in Christ. Uh, You think about a song called Amazing Love that starts out by saying, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And then other songs like uh, No Longer a Slave to Fear, where we end up singing, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Again, not a song to God directly. That is a song to us, to ourselves, affirming our identity in God and in Christ. And these are very, very powerful ideas to be aware of as we're singing these songs, and they're all incredibly important to how we worship God and how we connect with him. So that's who we're singing to. We can sing to God, which we do most of the time. We sing to each other, and sometimes we sing to ourselves. So we should probably spend a little bit of time and talk about, well, what do the words mean? What is it we're actually singing? What are the words that we are singing? Where do they come from in terms of their origin and what do they mean? What is the intent of the words that we're singing? Because, again, this is, this is important to understand. We know who's singing it. We know who's receiving it. What are we saying? We should think about this. So what is the inspiration of these songs? Well, the clearest and most obvious inspiration, just like God being the recipient of our praise, is the Bible. The Bible is where so many of our worship songs come directly. And in a lot of cases, it's just like literally lifting words right out of the Psalms or right out of scripture in creating a worship song from it. I know there have been times where I've been reading through the Bible and I'll hit a certain verse and, and it's like, oh, I recognize that song. That's literally a song and that's where he got that from or that's where she got that from or that's where it came from. Now, let's take a look. There's a song called Forever by Chris Tomlin and one of the, some of the words in the verse say, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. Well, let's look at Psalms four hundred or one hundred, uh, verse four and five, and verses four and five say, "Enter his gates with thanksgiving; in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Right? For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever." If you know that song, it's lifted right out of the Psalms, and it happens so many times. He's singing along with me right there. He knows the song, and um, but the cool thing about this is, if you go and you look at references to worship music. And if you just like Google biblical references to top 25 contemporary worship songs or something, those songs are so littered with references to where that lyric came from or where those lyrics come from. A lot of times they're not this obvious, like right out of a psalm. They're verses and pieces from all over. The cool thing about it though is is they're biblical truths that we remember because we remember songs and music in a different way than we do just straight words or straight ideas and understanding. So sometimes they're lifted right out of Scripture. Um, other times they're references to stories, <clears throat> very often uh, like Old Testament references to characters, their strength, their steadfastness, their courage, their faith. There was a song called Days of Elijah that used to just like step through all the prophets and all the key people and what they did and, how, and, and the importance uh, to our kingdom that they had. And so there's these stories. Sometimes, though, sometimes this can be a little bit confusing. Especially for new believers, um, or those of us who have kind of forgotten uh, stories from the Bible, let's let's look again at at the song I want to keep coming back to—the song "Do It Again." If you look at the opening line of "Do It Again," the opening line says, "Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet." This is a direct reference to uh, Jericho and to Joshua and Jericho. But if you didn't know that story, right? If you didn't know that story, then you might look at that and go, "I don't." I don't understand what's going on here. I've never heard of this before. This is weird. And so just like when Paul talked about raising an Ebenezer last week, when Pastor Paul talked about that, you might think, well, what's an Ebenezer? Well, it's a very specific reference to a Bible story. Similar type of thing here. I mean, if you go and you ever see a a song lyric and you're like, I don't even know what this means, odds are it's a reference to a biblical story and you just haven't heard it yet. Or maybe you've forgotten it like I tend to do sometimes. Songs, also the origin of those songs, very often are theologically based, right? They're songs based on our theology about God. Hymns are great for this. So many hymns are not as much songs to God as they are songs about God, and they affirm what we believe about him. Some songs are even straight up just statements of faith or creeds. If you grew up like I did in Lutheran Church, we said the Apostles' Creed almost every single week. And there's actually a song called We Believe, that is just the Apostles' Creed set to music. I mean, if you look at like the first part of the verse, it says, "We believe in God the Father, Maker of the universe, and in Christ, His Son our Savior, come to us through virgin birth." This is the Apostles' Creed set to music. And so the origin of those songs can be there, too. Um, oftentimes there are personal responses to God, His goodness, His grace, His character, His faithfulness. these are ways that we respond to God. And it's important that we understand it, and it's important that we test the lyrics now and then, that we look at them and we say, do I believe this? Is what I'm reading is the lyrics that we're seeing here, is this consistent with what the Bible says about God or about Christ? Is it consistent with what we know about his character and his heart? Because it's important that we understand that. Now, I'm not saying every single worship experience has to be this cerebral thing where you process everything deeply and intellectually because that kind of, you know, ruins the moment sometimes. But once in a while, step back and look at it and think about it. It's important to do. Um, <clears throat> a couple of words about intent or meaning I want to uh, talk about too because I think it's important that we understand what we're really saying and make sure that we are paying attention. Um, because sometimes we sing songs and we just sing them, and we don't necessarily pay attention to what we're saying. And that can be kind of dangerous. We can get that muscle memory, right, where we can just spit it out, and we're not even thinking about it. I remember this uh, coming up to me one time in the song, Blessed Be Your Name, where I realized, well, this song's about good times and bad, not just the good stuff. And if we look at the lyrics for um, Blessed Be Your Name, um, we can see that it starts off by saying, Blessed be your name, right? This is great. When the sun's shining down on me, and the earth's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. This is great stuff. The sun's shining down on me. But then we get to the next verse. Blessed be your name, on the road marked with suffering. That's not as awesome. Though there's pain in the offering. Oh, I didn't sign up for pain. Blessed be your name, right? Right? And we sing to God even in the midst of the good and the bad. And I remember sitting there going, wow, I didn't even realize that I was supposed to do this or what was going on. What about some of the proclamations that we make in our songs? We just sang the stand. In the stand, we sing, um, so I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. In awe of the one who gave it all, I'll stand. My soul, Lord, to you surrendered. I am surrendering my soul. These are powerful words. These are powerful words. What about the song, Ocean? Uh, oceans, in the bridge where we sing, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Right? And we sing, Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. This is the part. Take me deeper than my feet would ever wander. Do you really want that? That's what we're asking God to do. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. We are asking God in this song, Take me deeper than I would ever go. Stretch my faith. Make me stronger in ways and I would ever think to do, do you realize you 're singing that, and if you are, is that really what you want now again, there 's all kinds of room in music for hyperbole, for metaphors for for things to be um, you know illustrations and, and to be made so that it 's beautiful and fun to sing i 'm not saying that we have to interpret every song absolutely literally that doesn 't make sense as an art form, but think about the intent that 's going on here. What are we actually saying, and what are we actually singing? when we do it, because it's important that we think about that. So what happens when you look at a song like The Stand, and we say, you know, uh, I'm surrendering my soul to you, but we're not really feeling it, because that happens, right? I mean, we don't always feel it. We don't always feel the songs that we're singing. Sometimes we're in here and we're singing music, and we're like, I don't, this isn't, I'm not connecting with this. I don't really feel this way. And what I want to encourage you is that, When you're not feeling it, it's okay. Because we have a helper in this place. You need to remember that God is here and the Holy Spirit is here. And he is at work in your heart and in us when we're singing. Because I know there are times where there are songs I'm like, I'm not feeling it right now. This is not how I feel. And if you're ever feeling that way, you may wonder, well, Jason, then should I not sing it? Should I not do it? And I would say, No. I don't think that's the right path, especially if your heart is, I want to be there. This song, whatever it's saying, I'm not feeling like that right now, but I want to be. I want to be there. I want my heart to be that tender. I want to be that sold out for God. I want to put my arms in the air and praise him in ways that, um, that I'm currently not doing. I mean, one of the things we talk about that I, that I kind of skipped over is body language. Um, you know, if you think about the stand, we... In that song, it says, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned, right? And I looked around the room during that bridge, folks. There's only about 3% of us that had our arms in the air, right? And that's okay. I'm, I'm the same way. I don't always do the visuals along with it because sometimes you're not feeling it. But the thing is, if your heart's there and you want to be there, it is still valid worship. And in fact, I think it's more authentic. If you're sitting there and thinking, well, my heart's not where this song is right now. You can use that song as a pattern to lead your your heart to where it should be because where our mind leads, our heart will follow. And the Holy Spirit is at work. And so when you do it that way, God will honor that, and it is truly an authentic way to worship him. Uh, going back to my throat problem, you know, back in April, was actually I actually looked at my journal, it was, it was April 29th. I was here for worship, and I knew this message was coming, and I was pretty discouraged because... I was not better. Um, And it's a big deal because I use my voice for my job. I do voiceover work. I'm in sales and marketing. I like to sing. And so this is a big deal when I I can't use my voice. And I was in a pretty bad mood. I wasn't really all that happy about the situation. And I was sort of um, feeling sorry for myself. And I'm sitting there in worship, and the song Do It Again comes on. (sighs) This is the song that injured me, people. This is the song that hurt me. I don't like it. And then we get to the verse, right? And so I'm not even singing. This is me. This is me in worship that day. And I'm like, all right, God, I know I got this worship thing, this message coming. I can't even sing right now. I don't like this very much. And then the bridge came. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I thought, do I believe that? Do I believe that God will move this mountain and that I can actually speak in July? And the truth is, I I wasn't sure. I wasn't confident about that. Intellectually, I know that God can, I believe he can, but I wasn't feeling that in my heart. But what I decided in that moment was I was going to sing that song anyway because I wanted to believe, and I wanted to actually feel it 100%, sold out, believe that is what he is going to do. Now, I'm not completely better. You can hear it in my talking, and and I can tell you I'm I'm not 100% there, but I'm here this weekend, and I'm here. And uh, as we were doing worship um, before, right before I came up, I just started to tear up thinking I had this idea. I didn't think it would happen. And here I am. And, uh, and I just was able to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to sing these words, even though I don't believe them right now, because I'm going to trust you. I, I mean, I believe them intellectually, but I'm not feeling it. I'm going to trust that you're going to lead me there. Um, as, uh, as the team comes out here for uh, our offering, I want to encourage you with a few next steps. Uh, the first thing is this, pay attention to the words. Consider the words that we are singing. Uh, Consider what we're doing and and think about it. And you can do that pretty much right now as we are getting ready to to listen to this next song. They're going to do a song called 10,000 Reasons. And if you listen to this song, this is a song where it's I, it's me who's singing. And it's a song that's very reflective to us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. We are singing to our souls and how we should respond to God. So pay attention. Pay attention in the weeks to come. Take a look. Once in a while, just step back and say, what are these words? What am I singing? And do I believe it? Where is my heart in this? I also want to encourage you. I know that uh, we've got the devotional that has been written for this series and for the summer. I want to encourage you to continue doing that. In fact, um, there's a a great song in there for today's devotion where it really, as I looked through it, I thought, ooh, I could have used this as an example because there's lots of of things we talked about in here in terms of ways to figure out what's going on at that song. So Saturday the 7th, look at that devotion day and check it out. Um, Go to OneFest, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, and and a Christian music festival. We don't get a lot of those around here, so go out and support that. Pay attention to the lyrics there, too. Sometimes it's harder with that kind of music, uh, but do that. And, and just I hope that in the future, taking a little bit of time to understand what we're singing, the words, who it is, will help you guys have a deeper and richer experience in worship. Let me pray, and then uh, we'll take our offering. Lord, I give you thanks for the fact that uh, we were able to do this this weekend. And I do believe you move mountains. And I do believe that you want to knock down barriers and you can do incredible things, that you've done them before, you're doing them now, and you will continue to do them in the future. May you help us to develop a deeper appreciation this summer through this series of the words we sing, the songs we sing, and how deeply meaningful they are to you, to each other, and to how we grow into getting closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.